Yemula. You're listening to Caro Caramon EV, Caro Caramon, the English version. Caro Caramon is a podcast about the representation of the Caribbean in cinema and television. I'm your host, Patra M, and today I'm presenting you my guidebook on the representation of slavery in French cinema and television. It's a six-part series, and this is episode three. Precedently in Carre Clermont EV. I presented you step one and step two of my guidebook on the representation of slavery in French cinema and television. Step one was the importance of temporal contextualization. Most films and series about slavery are set in the 19th century, and in French cinema and television, the narrative is centered only on the late 18th century and the first half of the 19th century, which means the narrative around slavery doesn't cover how the system began and how it collapsed. Step two was the importance of special contextualization. The fact that films and TV shows are never specific about Europe being the place leading the transatlantic trade creates a distance and a lack of awareness on why our country, why the world is the way it is today. So we covered the when, we covered the where, now let's get into the who. Here's step three of my guidebook, how to represent the persons who live in the colonies in the Americas. this special edition, I divided the characters into two categories, the black people and the white people. There are so many things to say about the way these fictions portray enslaved black people and the white masters, the white colonizers, that I decided to dedicate one episode to each category. Now, we are going to talk about how cinema and television dehumanize enslaved black people and how these enslaved black people can can claim back their humanity. So I think I'm going to use some words that may be offensive, but I'm really not trying to be offensive. I'm going to use words to describe black people from back then. So that's the way they were called. So I'm going to use the words, but I'm really going to try not to be offensive. I'm not trying to be. That was a disclaimer, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't recall an American film about slavery that would humanize enslaved black people by showing them in their home in Africa. Maybe in the film Amistad, but if so, I have no memory of it. Same goes for British films. Nevertheless, American and British TV shows usually display the same storytelling strategy to show the African origins of the black characters. There's usually something around the name of the character. The first way to dehumanize someone is to not 
pronounce their name. American and British shows often find a way to make the enslaved black characters fight for their names. I think the most famous example would be the miniseries Roots, broadcast in 1977. There is this one scene where Kunta Kinte is being whipped over and over again until he calls himself Toby, like the white overseer wants him to. Although Kunta Kinte keeps on living in America, he gives his daughter a Mandinka name and when he dies, she makes sure that his grave bears the name Kunta Kinte. A most recent example I could give you is Aminata Diallo, the lead character of the British miniseries The Book of Negroes, broadcast in 2016. Just like for Roots, the story begins in Africa. When she's enslaved on a plantation in America, her master calls her Mina, but in her mind, she is and will always be Aminata Diallo. And she even says so in the trailer. So aside from the fact that this strategy is also good character development, having enslaved black characters fight to keep their own African name is a way for them to claim back their humanity in an environment where their humanity is being denied. On the contrary, French documentary slash fiction Ebony Wood, broadcast in 2016, doesn't highlight the black enslaved characters fighting for the name. It shows them being passive about the situation. There's, there's this sequence where you see how Yanka, the main character, the main female character, got her quote-unquote new name because now she's called Delhi and we see how she got the name Delhi. So the camera only shows the faces of the white overseer and the master with his family. We never get to see the black characters' faces in this very moment when they're basically told that they own nothing, not even their own name. And while I won't argue that this representation of dehumanizing enslaved black people was probably accurate, I was very confused by Yanka's voiceover during this scene. She says something along the line, we didn't get asked our names. We pretended like we didn't have one. He told me I'd be called Deli and that's been my name ever since. I honestly don't know why they would make a black character dehumanize itself through its name when other films and TV shows make the black characters fight for their names. From my point of view, as someone from Guadeloupe, Ebony Wood is odd in many ways. And at the end of the day, it's not just about having an African name like in Roots. It's just about the black person having agency on their own name. It's one element I enjoyed in British miniseries The Long Song. July, the main character, was given this name by her mother and everybody calls her July. Even when the white owner keeps calling her Marguerite, everybody keeps calling her July. So it's really about just 
being called the way you're supposed to be called, not like someone else choosing for you. French miniseries Beta Tropics also used the storytelling strategy. Remember that this was the first French TV show about slavery and it was broadcast for the first time in 2007. The story is built from the Martinican point of view. The majority of the black characters were born in the Caribbean. That's why they have European names such as Adele, Amadou or Rosalie. These black characters show the ongoing process of the construction of the French Afro-Caribbean identity. That's why the scene where Adele's mother pronounced out loud her African name is important. This is her true self and she owns it. But Toyava is the character that really symbolizes this fight for humanity. We get to know him in the first episode as he gets sold at a slave auction. Once he gets to the habitation, of course, they want to give him a new name, Louis. He keeps repeating his name, Koyaba, over and over again until the white mistress suggests that, that he should indeed keep his African name. All throughout the series, Koyaba represents the process African people had to go through to get accepted in this new environment. Koyaba is a bosal, which is the word to describe African-born enslaved people. Black people like Adele and Amede, born enslaved in the Caribbean, were called Creole Negroes. Slave owners didn't like bosal men and women who were considered more rebels and disobedient because they knew what freedom was. That's why it's an interesting choice to make Koyaba the character fighting for freedom with weapons. He even joins the Haitian revolution at some point. The other storytelling strategy to show black characters humanity is to make them value their traditions and their African-rooted culture. This is what films and TV shows usually do when they, when they have a party scene where all the enslaved black characters get together. We can say they have fun even though we know they're not really happy, but at least we see them away from their masters. In French documentary fiction, Ebony Wood, you get to see a scene like that, but the only explanation about what's going on comes from the white mistress of the habitation. She gives her point of view about how inappropriate these dances are. So again, the black characters get dehumanized and there's no counter argument. Ebony Wood presents this, these late night gatherings as a show for the white gays. Dancing and singing were a way for these enslaved people to claim back agency on their own body and to socialize as a group that shares common issues. Historian Gérard Barthélémy wrote about these rituals that helped create and solidify the Afro-Caribbean identity and culture. 
black gathering scenes in American and British TV shows are also used to give back humanity to these people who function as a group based on her on a hierarchy. There are the house slaves who serve the master and his family. There are the skilled slaves who can do specific tasks like operating a machine, for instance. And there are the field slaves who are at the lowest step on this hierarchy. I think American series Underground broadcast in 2016 is the best example of how enslaved black people lived by this hierarchy but also tried to fight it. I don't have many negative things to say about bitter tropics but I think this socialization element is something missing in the characterization. The narrative is only focused on the house slaves. They show solidarity among their little group but we barely see them interact with the other enslaved people. However, it should be noted that the overseer, Jacquet, is portrayed by an Amerindian man. This is a visual reminder that the white colonizers took the land by exterminating the Caribbean. Anyway, back to my point. Unlike American and TV shows, Beta Tropics doesn't use socialization to show black characters claim back their humanity. And I think it's a very French approach to the representation of black people in general. French cinema and television operate with that there can only be one vision. There's that one token character and that's it. Not saying that the American and British TV and films industries are the best at representation, but you guys already had shows and films led by a black character. In the whole history of French television, I can only name two TV shows with a black lead and guess what? There were no other black characters in them. So... And same can be said about French cinema. That one film, Girlhood, that I see recommended and celebrated by every English review was made by a white woman who just seemed to go through a guidebook on every negative stereotype black girls in France have to deal with on a daily basis. I'm getting off topic, sorry about that. What I'm trying to say is uh, that the French approach to the representation of black people doesn't even conceive the idea of having two black characters being friends outside of the white gaze. And isn't socializing with your peers also a part of being human? There's another important issue that Ebony Wood and Bitter Tropics gloss over. It's colorism. Caribbean societies were built on colorism. That's a fact. Black people were classified according to how light-skinned they were. In Guadeloupe and Martinique, the free people of color were a social class itself recognized by the law. At some point toward the end of the 18th century, there were enough of them to create pressure on the island governor and to demand equality 
with white citizens. Colorism is still something real today and it would be nice if TV shows and films would actually show where it comes from. Ebony Wood and Bitter Tropics either talk about colorism or use a non-French character to illustrate it. Of course, the representation of black people on the melanin spectrum in those colonial times must be done carefully. It would be easy to fall into the opposition between the nice, innocent, light-skinned character and the evil, jealous, dark-skinned character. Brazilian telenovelas set in colonial times like A Escrava Isaura, broadcast in 1976, and Lado al Lado, broadcast in 2012, used this trap. In A Escrava Isaura, the main character is Isaura, who is white passing, and her nemesis is dark-skinned Rosa. In Lado al Lado, Isabel, the lead character, is mixed, but identified as black and her nemesis is Berenice who is brown skinned. In the underground series Rosalie played by Journey Smollett Bell is mixed and identified as such and her character gets to show how she uses this at her advantage when she is on the run. Yet I don't recall a show or a film that would actively try to explain what colorism is except for the long song. July is dark skinned with 4C type hair. I know the adjectives to describe black people's hair are always changing and I really don't want to sound offensive. So I'm going with the with the 4C type description although I know this expression is also being criticized. My point is July fits the description of a full black person when she's actually mixed. Her father was a white overseer and when she gets to meet another mixed woman who is almost white passing, July keeps saying, I'm a mulatto too. My daddy was from Scotland. It was my first time seeing a mulatto portrayed like this, which I think was awesome. Representing black people with all shades on the melanin spectrum back then would also be a way to make people understand how they are taught to be anti-black and where racism comes from. It would show how the current world is based on a system that discriminates against black people. And how can we expect change if we aren't even perceived as human beings who keep resisting and who keep being resilient. Now, before we wrap up this episode, I want to share with you an example of how French cinema and television can erase the history of Caribbean people and why representation is so important. In the documentary slash fiction Ebony Wood, there's one character named Solitude. As someone from Guadeloupe, I grew up with the narrative of the mulatto solitude being a great figure of resistance when Napoleon tried to re-implement slavery in 1802. In Guadeloupe, we even have the boulevard of heroes 
with three big statues, one of Delcres, one of Ignace, and one of Solitude. Solitude also became famous because of a novel written by André Schwarzbart and published in 1972. In Ebony Wood, the character named Solitude is a pregnant enslaved woman who is accused of poisoning her master's cows. She is put in jail and they hang her right after she gave birth to her child. Now, the solitude that I've been taught about was a woman who fought just like men while being pregnant. She did get arrested in 1802 and they did hang her after she gave birth to her child. At this point of time, it doesn't matter that much if her actions were as important as the official narrative says they were. She is a hero for us. That's it. Yet, in Ebonywood, the character of Solitude is only shown as a passive woman. This film was broadcast in 2016. I hardly believe the Solitude name was a coincidence because the details on the way the character dies are identical. The question is, why would you use a hero figure as a blueprint to create a character that is only characterized by its passiveness? I don't get it. And most French people don't know about Solitude, but if they watch that film, they will think that she was just some random woman. Anyway, this just shows how difficult it is for mainstream media to represent black people actively fighting for their freedom. Films and TV shows may humanize black people in a positive way at some extent, but they can also erase issues like colorism. Next step of my guidebook will be the representation of white people in films and TV shows about slavery. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Caracaramon. You can share the podcast around you. You can give me five stars on Apple Podcasts to give Caracaramon more visibility. You can check out my website caracaramon.com. See you next week. Ciao, Mered. <laughs>